This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What would you like to get off your chest right now? Are you feeling lonely, unappreciated, or misunderstood? When you keep these feelings bottled up, they can affect you negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and work through whatever is weighing you down. It's a great way to increase your self-awareness, change negative thought patterns, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Be Here Now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Be Here Now. Meditation and chanting are very similar, if not the same. Different types of, there are many different types of meditation. Many different types. And they all emphasize different aspects and different techniques, ways to enter into the deepest place within us. Uh, It's up to you. Welcome to the Krishnadas Pilgrim Heart Hour. In this podcast, Krishnadas shares his warm-hearted and down-to-earth path to the divine. If you are interested in supporting Krishnadas's podcast, please go to beherenownetwork.com/kd. Om Hum 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 Om Hum
Questions. Is chanting a form of medication? <laughs> chanting is a form of medication. Yes. Yes, no. Chanting is a form of meditation. Is it necessary to do meditation if you do chanting? I don't like that word necessary. It sounds like you're taking medicine. It, it's not really like that, although it is. Uh, one has to do what one has to do. Uh, no, you don't have to do anything if you don't want to. And if you don't plant the seeds of the things that you want and the qualities that you want to develop, they won't develop. Uh, meditation and chanting are very similar, if not the same. Different types of, there are many different types of meditation. Many different types. And... They all emphasize different aspects and different techniques, ways to enter into the deepest place within us. Uh, it's up to you. I assume you're saying, you're believing that you're defining meditation as sitting down with your eyes closed and fighting with your thoughts. Whereas chanting is you're singing and not paying any attention at all. So neither one, if you do like that, is going to be very helpful. It's all about attention. It's all about paying attention and becoming aware that we're lost in thought, letting that go and coming back home to in meditation, the object of meditation, the breath, a mantra, etc. Or in chanting, coming back to the chant, the sound of the chant. So, in that sense, these two types of practices are very similar. KD, when the meditation teacher told you to figure out why you didn't give 100% of yourself to do uh, to anything, did you figure it out? I didn't figure out up here. There's lots of reasons, I suppose, all kinds of neurotic insanity that was functioning in me and probably is still functioning in me. But through chanting practice, I have been able to give myself more and more and more to what I'm doing. The chanting has... has rewired me and fixed up some of the faulty connections in me and it has allowed me to be able to give myself quite intensely to what I am doing and especially chanting when I first heard the chanting in India I knew that this was I could do this this would be this was something I could really do I mean and that a bit, that and doing that has changed my life. It's, it's changed everything I do. So yes, the answer is it figured itself out through the practice. I didn't figure it out. I didn't think, ah, that's why. Now I can do it. No. I just got into chanting more and more and more and more. And my life has changed around that. Do you, think, do, do you think that one can ever exist in a loving space where one's attachments are not in some way at play? Of course. If we didn't 
have the uh, belief up to some degree that we could ever get free of our stuff, then what are we doing? So if you really didn't believe that you could be free of your stuff, you wouldn't be doing any chanting or anything. You'd just be watching TV and screwing around. But you do believe that somewhere you know it's possible. And so through these practices and through the walking along the path, you deepen that understanding of, how to, of what that is. And then there's more. How do you navigate feeling free amongst all these constricting systems that one feels bonded to? You keep practicing letting go. It's very simple. It's not easy, but it is not complicated. We've trained ourselves to hold on to everything. We've, our programs grab us and control us and push us around our hidden beliefs, the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves, the trauma, the pain, the betrayal, the fear, the anxiety, all that stuff is like glue. And, it, and we, we, we believe all that, we feel all that stuff so deeply. What we haven't been trained in is letting go. You can always let go. You just have to let go. But it's not so easy, so we pick one thing, like chant, or we borrow a breath. And every time we notice that we're just daydreaming and lost in some fantasy or some story that we're telling ourselves, if, when we notice it, we come back. That's what, that's the whole, that's, that's like night and day. That's the difference when you, when you do a practice, when you bring a practice into your life. It gives you something to come back to. Otherwise, we're just gone. Our whole lives, just gone. Most people are just gone. And not for one moment do they ever recognize that they're gone. But when we add a practice to our lives, it allows us to begin to notice how gone we are. And... Noticing that, we naturally do not like the fact that we don't have a vote. We don't like the fact that we're being controlled by our own stuff and, and our own obsessive thinking. It doesn't feel good. What feels good is letting go. And we have to let go over and over and over again. It's called training. That's what this is. The good part about it is that chanting also brings very pleasant feelings, which attract us back from daydreaming, from being lost. So, that's the deal. Hi, KD. Maharaji said, according to Ram Das, that one should be honest and love everyone. I find that I'm pretty good at being honest, but I'm horrible at loving anyone, everyone. Well, yes. That was Maharaji's instruction to Ram Das. <laughs> he never told me to love everyone. <laughs> but yes, those are good instructions, and yes, it's very difficult. In fact, Ramdas said to him at the moment, he said, Ramdas, love everyone and tell the truth. So Ramdas said, The truth is, I don't love everyone. And Maharaja said, Ramdas, love everyone and tell the truth. And Ramdas recognized that he recognized his problem 
because to tell the truth from his point of view at that moment was that he didn't love everyone and he recognized what he had to do was change his point of view. He had to deepen his awareness to the place where there is love only, even if a person is a schmuck. Like he said in later years, he used to talk about the difference between the role and the soul. The soul is love. The role is not necessarily lovable. But you can focus on someone's soul and not and the role will not necessarily turn your love off because you're sitting in a deeper place. It's not a mind game. Don't think that you you can never love everyone. Your ego will never love every, any, everyone because your ego is threatened by other people or wants things from other people and is not getting them from other people, etc., 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 etc. So your ego will always be fighting and separate and not loving everyone. Your soul loves everyone already. So this is, this is not mind games. This is not manipulating your emotions. This is finding reality. That's what Maharaji was talking about. When you know the truth, we are all one and there is only love. Our work is, is to deepen our awareness and so when we're chanting, when we notice that we're gone and we're daydreaming or thinking about something or telling ourselves some kind of story, we let go and come back to here. And the more we do that, the more we let go, the deeper and the more open this present moment gets. And ultimately, this present moment and this present, this presence is everywhere and everyone's in it. And that's when love is everywhere. It's not here, it's here. And it's the fruit of practice and it's the fruit of grace. And if we're doing practice, we already have the grace. Otherwise, we would not be paying attention to this stuff at all. So yeah, it's not easy, but you're not supposed to try to talk yourself into it. That never works for me. That's like people who go around, I'm wonderful, I'm great, I'm happy, I'm strong, I'm this. I understand the technique of positive thinking, but all you're doing is covering up your fear, your anger, your shame, your guilt, and, and all the, the the negative things you really believe about yourself. You're not really letting go of them. This practice cleans the mirror of the heart. It cleans the mirror of the heart. When the heart is covered with dust, when the mirror of the heart is covered with dust, the reflection is not accurate. It's not true. We only see roles when the mirror is covered. When the mirror is cleansed and cleaned, it reflects reality and then we see souls. Then we love everyone. It took Ramdas a long time. And by the end of his life, he spent most of the time in that love. But we're talking 50 years and 20 years in a wheelchair and dealing with incredible suffering and, and pain, physical pain. And he practiced, he, he, he dedicated himself, committed himself to finding that love, and he did. So it's not a button you push, it's your whole life. If this is what you want, you'll get it. But you have to work for it. it has to, it's practice, spiritual practice, spiritual work. And on one hand, we're all on that path. 
So, because that's who we already are. Some people are, have better aim than other people. And instead of looking outside for it, they're trying to find it inside, which is where you could say it is. Have I met Ananda Maima? Yes, I have. Quite a number of times. Um, mostly in the, my first few visits to India, I met her quite a few times. And uh, she was extraordinarily beautiful and an amazing, great being. So, yeah. I'm, what did I major in college? <laughs> I majored in basketball. Uh, I majored in drugs. And I majored in depression. Those, th those were my three majors. It's easy to keep your mind on God when living alone. How do you do it when you're surrounded with people? The personality qualities kick in without me even noticing. Well, look, let's get real here, okay? It's easy to keep your mind on God when living alone. You're tripping. You're not, your mind is not on God, because if your mind is on God, then you would see God everywhere. You would see God in all the people around you. You would see God in yourself. There would be no issue about coming out of that space. You're, 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 this is a, you're mind tripping yourself, you know? It isn't easy to keep your mind on God when you're alone. It's easy to avoid bullshit from other people. But you have your own bullshit, which you're not dealing with. Maybe, sorry. So, your mind's not on God when you're alone. You're just, you're just numb. And you're just protecting yourself from the fact that you can't see God everywhere, and nor can you find love anywhere, and because you're judging everybody and feeling attacked and needy, etc., etc., all that stuff that we all do. So don't kid yourself, okay? It's not fun. It's not helpful to kid yourself. If you want to find God, clean your heart. That's all you have to do. And that's a lifetime's work. What's the difference between sadhana and samadhi? Well, they sound similar, but sadhana means spiritual work, and samadhi is a state uh, it's a, 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 you could say it's a state of higher consciousness. There's, it has many meanings, but it, you could say it's a meditative state that's uh, more free of suffering than our usual state. How do I incorporate chanting into my daily routine? You know, uh, You just open your mouth and chant. You don't need instruments. You don't need anything. If you have some CDs of people chanting, me or other people, sing along. That's fine. But don't start, if you live in an apartment building, don't turn it up to 10, you know? So you just have to find a way of doing it that fits in with your environment. And... Uh, you don't need, chanting doesn't have to be musical. The music helps to some degree to pay attention because we like music, we like to sing. Even if we don't have good voices, it doesn't matter if we can't hold a tune. It, it just doesn't matter at all. In terms of spiritually, it doesn't matter. The guy next to you might punch you if you're really bad and singing very loud, but, you know, that's his problem, not yours. How do I fix someone who is lost? You don't. First, why don't you find yourself? And then worry about fixing other people. We can't even fix ourselves. How are we going to fix other people? You want something for this person. 
And maybe it's very, maybe it's very uh, compassionate desire that this person be free of suffering and find themselves and find happiness. But there's nothing you can do, especially if you haven't found that yourself. So first, find it in yourself, which might take, you know, the rest of this life. And then, you know, you share that with other people if they want it. You don't, you can't force another person to wake up. If a person wants to sleep, they have every right to sleep. They themselves have to have the desire to wake up. There's nothing we can do. You can love that person by allowing that person to be who they are and not wanting them to be different. And maybe, just maybe, they will feel something from you that touches a place in them. But you, if you want to, that to happen, it won't happen. Just let them be who they are and relate to them the way they want to be related to. And don't demand that they be anything other than who they are. That's not compassion at all. And the issue is that you yourself, we ourselves, have to find it first. So. When you say letting go, do I mean our ego and our judgments? Well, absolutely. And everything else. When I say letting go in the context of meditation or chanting, it's very specific. You sing, and when you notice that you're not paying attention to what you're actually even doing, then you just come back to the singing. That's letting go. You've let go of whatever it was you were thinking of or feeling or imagining or dreaming about. And since the ego is nothing but thoughts, as we release these thoughts, the so-called ego gets a little thinned out, a little more transparent over time. So that's basically what I'm talking about. I'm not necessarily talking about psychological letting go of our issues and stuff like that. That will happen to some degree more easily as you develop the ability to let go in meditation. That ability will, will uh, spread to the rest of your life and make it easier to deal with difficult issues that come up. They won't grab you in her and engulf you so totally. As a white-bodied person, how do I acknowledge the roots of this practice and ensure that I am not perpetuating cultural, cultural appropriation? How do you work to avoid, resist, confront spiritual bypass. Why do you think the great beings that discovered these practices, why do you think they share them with anyone who comes? Because they are dedicated to removing suffering and relieving suffering in this world regardless of race, color, religion, anything. They are dedicated to relieving suffering. What I received in India to help me, I'm just passing along because that's what it's for. I'm not appropriating anything. I'm not bypassing anything. I'm dealing with my shit as I was taught to do by my teachers in India and other places in the world. So I, I, I can't even relate to that question. It, it, it makes no sense to me. 
the reason that we do these practices is to help ourselves and help others. I don't understand what's cultural appropriation about it. Maybe I'm just stupid, maybe I'm just too fucking old, I don't know. But all I know is I am doing what my teachers want me to do. And I am sharing what they've asked me to share. They didn't kick me out because I had white skin. India, dark-skinned people. They didn't kick me out because they invited me in and they shared with me the jewels that they have and created the situation for me to share that with whoever comes. So I, I, that's all I can say about it. Uh, maybe I'm missing something. Uh, but from where I'm sitting, that's what it looks like. The skin is a what? A, a, a millimeter or a half a millimeter thick? My guru used to go like this. All the time. All one. This was his teaching. Love everyone. All one. Serve everyone. That's what I'm trying to do. As he taught and shared. So... That's all. I, I don't know what more to say about it. Okay. How do we completely release negativity from our childhood? I've forgotten, but the memories still creep in and I suffer. Am I wrong? No, no. How could you be wrong? You're not wrong. There's nothing wrong. But when you start to do practice, many things come up many things. But once again, during the practice period, our, what we do is we, we let go of that and come back to the chanting or the breath or whatever practice we're doing. And that gradually stretches the sticky stuff that holds us to that, those thoughts and emotions. But it doesn't happen all at once. It's a a transformational practice that takes time and practice. There's nothing feeling, a lot of things start to come up when you sit, when you begin to do some practice because for the first X number of years in your life, you're not paying attention. You're just bouncing off of stuff. You have a feeling, an emotion, you go this way, you go that way, reacting blindly. But once you start to practice, you're asking yourself to pay attention and you start to see all the stuff that's been going on all these years that you just did not see before. It's, it's astounding and sometimes really hard to take. But you stay with it. You stick with it because you have to. If you don't, then what? Right? It just keeps running your life. So, we have to start somewhere. In Canada, we uncovered mass unmarked graves for students in residential schools. They were abducted by the Catholic orders and the RCMP, which is like the FBI of Canada. I experienced such rage at the colonial system. Uh, was there any mention of colonialism while in India? Well, before we get to India, yeah, I, I know about that. I, some years ago when Bernie Glassman or, uh, organized the first Zen peacemakers uh, retreat with the, the, the Native Americans at in the Lakota Sioux, Pine Ridge Reservation. There was this period where everyone would, anyone could come up to the microphone and share something with the group. Now, in the history of the West, Western areas, there were schools set up 
for the Native American kids. And they were taken from their parents and they were brought to these schools, boarding schools, and they were forbidden to talk their native language. They were forbidden to wear native clothes and they were beaten. Many, there were people who were killed. They were not treated well. They were, and the trauma of that is still res, resounding through uh, the people. So, and you see it in the alcoholism and the depression and the suicide rates on the reservations. It's just horrific. So, uh, what, what we were there for and what Bernie had organized was to bear witness to this, these issues because to bring them up and bring them out into the light, to like dig them up so they weren't hidden and buried anymore and so they could be dealt with in any way that they can, personally, institutionally, etc. So we were there in this group and one, this young man stood up and He started to talk and his voice was trembling and he said openly to this group of people, many of which were Native Americans, he said that it was his great-grandfather that set up the school system, one of the biggest school systems for the Native American kids, children. And he began to cry and he apologized from his deepest place in his heart that he could. And he, he, he just, he, he needed to do that. He wanted to do that. It was very moving. And a tremendous courage to stand up in front of all these people and admit that out loud to these people. It was a very powerful moment. But he was embraced by everyone. Nobody turned away from him. It was a very powerful moment. I just, institutions bring out the worst in everyone, so anyone who's involved, pretty much people's lust for power can really be horrific. So, so in India, uh, complicated, very complicated in India. The English did terrible things. They also brought India, in, in some sense, into the more modern world. Uh, when I got to India, there were still old British people who were still living there from the old days. Now they'd become very old, especially up in the hills. I met quite a few. Um, Yeah, I, I don't know what to say about that. Complicated situation, and there was a lot of terrible things that happened around the uh, campaign for independence. Uh, I suggest you watch uh, the movie uh, Gandhi. It's, uh, it's about 20 years old now, but it's a fantastic movie, and it really shows a lot there were English people, white people, who were on the side of it, Gandhi's side, on the side for independence. And then, of course, there was the, the government, which was not, which did terrible things at that time, but ultimately gave up. Very complicated situation. But uh, Gandhi was a movie that was very historically accurate. So there's a, you can really get a feel for it. Uh, it's getting late now. Uh, 
Oh, my. Here's a question. I am terminally ill, and I feel like such a burden to everyone. Is there a way to overcome this horrible feeling? Well, sorry to hear that. Uh, sorry for your situation. You know, all I can do is share about Ramdas, who spent 20 years in a wheelchair, more than 20 years. And after he, he understood that he needed help to get through the day. He needed help. It was very hard for him. As he used to joke, he used to say, I wrote a book, how can I help? But if I wrote that book now, it would be, how can you help me? Um, you know, this is the karma of the situation. The body that you're in is winding down, is disintegrating. You need help, uh, but what Ramdas recognized was that it was his pride that could not accept help easily. And so he worked with that for many years and he really overcame that kind of pride, to allow others to help you, to recognize this is the way it is. It's very difficult, obviously, and very painful. But you would be helping others by allowing them to help you. You would be helping others by freeing yourself of what you call, what did you call here, of, of the feeling of being a burden. There's nothing better we can do as human beings to, than to help another human being. Now, maybe the people around you aren't into that. Maybe there are not those kind of people around you who care enough to take care of you. But to feel that you're a burden is part of your own self-loathing and part of our own inability to give love and receive love, simply. So please, relax. Let it be as it is. Allow others to help you. By you making it a burden, that creates suffering for them, which is not what you want to be doing. You don't want to do that, I know. So the more relaxed you get about it, the easier it will be for other people. And they'll want to help you. And they'll, they'll be able to help you and make things easier for you. Hopefully. I hope so. I wish you well on your journey. I think that's it for tonight with the questions. So, sing Hanuman Chalisa together and Cindy I think your name was allow the sound of this chant to wash away everything 
that's making your life more difficult than it has to be. It's already, obviously, very difficult. This is big moments for you. So allow this chant to soften your heart and remove this feeling of being a burden. I hope that works. I hope you can do that. I hope I can do that when my time comes. It's not easy. But it can be done. So all the best for you. Charan Sarojaraja Nijamakura Sudhai Varano Ragubara Bimalajasi Jodaya Kupalachai Uddihin Tanojanike Sumiram Pavan Kumasyara Alabudi vidya dehumohi Varuhu kales bekar Siyavararam chandapad jesharanam Jaya hanuman kyanna gunasam Jaya kapisati humloka puja Sahasra Jojan Parabhan Yayot 
of the great beings that have gone before us. Out of their love, out of their kindness, they left some footprints for us to follow. So, in the same way that they wish for us, in the same way that they wish for us, we wish that all beings everywhere, all of us, be safe, all of us be happy, that all of us have good health and enough to eat. And may, may we all live in peace and at ease of heart, at ease of heart with whatever comes to us in life. Be well, take care. 
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What would you like to get off your chest right now? Are you feeling lonely, unappreciated, or misunderstood? When you keep these feelings bottled up, they can affect you negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and work through whatever is weighing you down. It's a great way to increase your self-awareness, change negative thought patterns, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Be Here Now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Be Here Now.